What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 11 of the College Series here on the Splitting Up Rights podcast. Before we meet our next interviewee, we're going to take a quick time out and hear from our friends at Anchor.fm about how you can create your very own podcast. All right, Drew, for episode 11, we're returning to the SEC. I'm excited, but also not excited because when we're going back to the SEC, that means we have to talk about Arkansas. And when we talk about Arkansas and the SEC, that means we'll be talking about a lot of losing from my side. Um, but I had a ton of fun. It was a great interview. Drew, who are we talking to today? Today we brought on Deshaun Caper-Smith. He was a defensive back slash corner for Texas A&M. It was a fun time, man. Uh, we learned a lot about his days from high school, college, and then, you know, the short time he has as a professional athlete. Unfortunately, COVID ruined that plans as, as everything else. But, Sandy, let's hit this play button this episode. Let's get it rolling. All right, Drew, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, we normally ask this question to start the interview, but we have a cornerback on with us today. So we're going to change up a little bit. Normally I go over under on bench press max. I think, Drew, we went squat max last week with Wyatt. Mm -hmm. This week, because we have Deshaun on, Drew, we're going to go over under 495 official 40 time. Ooh. Or Deshaun Capers Smith out of Texas A and M. Okay, so over under on his forty time. I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna go under. I think he's about a about a four seven to four eight. Um, you know, big SEC school like you said, Texas A and M. Uh, a big school out of Louisiana as well. Uh, I gotta say four seven to four eight. I don't think he's a speedster, um, but. I think he's got a little speed under him whenever he's actually playing. Deshaun, am I am I wrong or am I right? Yeah, I'm a little bit under four seven. I'm just a four six. So so we were close. We were close. You know, not on the dot. We're not professionals. Yeah, I need to make an amendment. Um, I have no idea why I said four nine five. <laughs> that is incredibly disrespectful to an SEC defensive back. Right, I was, right. I meant to ask like. Four, what I meant was like four, four, nine or something because I was like, when I replayed my head, I'm like, wait, four, nine, five. Like, I've seen offensive tackles run that. So I, I was like, damn, Deshaun's going to hate me for that one. <laughs> hey, this is the first time doing the 40 time. This yeah. is our first time asking it. So we got to give him a little bit of cushion on that. Hey, and what does a kicker know about 40 times, right? What does he right. know about sub five? A hundred percent. But so I mentioned that you played high school ball at. Uh, in Louisiana, he actually played for Warren Easton. Uh, I actually was watching quarterback one beyond the lights a couple of years ago. I don't remember mm -hmm. the quarterback's name, but they actually name dropped you on the episode on Netflix. Um, they name dropped you as lefty, but uh, you're better known as Deshaun Caper Smith. Uh, what is it like to be a high school legend in a school like Warren Easton? Well, honestly, man, I mean, we were just putting in the work. My freshman and sophomore year, we was really terrible, like terrible. We was going four and six losing the uh, first round in the playoffs. But once we started going, you know, once we got, like, all the bad apples out the way, we just started clicking. And once everything got to rolling, everything went, just went from there. I mean, my senior year, well, I'm going to start out my junior year, I ended up breaking my foot. But I broke my foot during the summer with, within seven or seven camps and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had the whole summer to get right. You know, I got back. I started, I played the first game. But during my junior year, I, I wasn't playing quarterback. I was playing everywhere else. I was playing receiver. I went to running back. And I was also playing defense. So during that time, you know, I was still out of shape just because I was just getting off the foot injury. So it was kind of like it was shaky. I was scared to plan on it because I really wasn't confident. And my ankle was still kind of weak. So I was in and out of the games. And we started rolling. Everything was good. I was still playing here and there, but I was out most of the time. So when I started catching my win back, and I would want to say around the playoff time, mm -hmm. that's when they made the move to put me back at quarterback. And we went deep. We went to uh, the quarterfinals. We ended up losing to the team who actually won state by a touchdown. We lost to them by a touchdown. At, uh, they the name of that team was East Jeff, mm -hmm. East Jeff Warriors. But like I said, man, and then going on to my senior I had lights out, crazy numbers, mm -hmm. crazy numbers. 
only threw two interceptions my senior year. I threw 50-something, I th- 53 touchdowns, and I ran for 23. So I had 76 touchdowns in my senior year. Only threw two interceptions. I threw one in a district game, and I threw one in a state game. Just a lob to the end zone, you know, trying to get yeah. extra points before the halftime. But, yeah, I mean, then I ended up getting uh, Mr. Louisiana. Uh, I was a parade All-American. It gave me it was just a bunch. But, <laughs> other than, yeah, other than that, man, that whole year, it's just been good because – we had players like mm-hmm. who really put in the work. Like I said, we got all we got rid of all the bad apples, and we just wanted to do something to help the program be turned around. And once that kind of started really going, we started seeing a lot of more people wanted to go to the school. Yeah, and so I mean, just being a part of that, I mean, you, it's nothing you can you know nothing you can ask for. But it's been that, good. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, you see in that that show that the, the program has done really well since you guys have been there. And yeah. Dejan, I want to ask you this question. You mentioned getting rid of the bad apples. That's something that we talk about a lot at the collegiate level or that you'll mm-hmm. see high school coaches talking about it. I think the, you know, you have the closest teams in high school. You are led by the players of, of sorts. Um, how much of a role did you and the other upperclassmen have in getting rid of those bad apples like how closely were you involved with the coaches and identifying these people and essentially getting your team right well my freshman year I I came in as a starter so I played Mm -hmm. varsity as my freshman year so I mean that I'm not gonna say it was a big role but you know I played my part and what I meant by that is I just came in to do what I wanted to do for myself and to help the team so anywhere I was needed to be put, I was going to play. And I played defense my freshman year. I was also a kick returner, punt returner. So I was moving around a lot. So, I mean, anywhere that I can play to help the team is what I wanted to do. But we had guys who was just trying to, like, you know, just be on the team and who wasn't doing right. And so, I mean, once – I mean, coach, coaches is going to always beat up for people. But it's like if you want to – take your own route you know sometimes people want to act like they're growing you really there's nothing you can really do for them so I mean he was there but a lot of people didn't see it and like I said once that once that uh, freshman year season was over with you know that senior class was kind of out the door and like I said from there we just kind of like started trying to be positive, turn the whole thing around. Because nobody believed in us. Like I said, my freshman and sophomore year, we was going four and six, losing in the first round of the playoffs. And it's not many – you're not going to really – it's like us trying to recruit people. Man, yeah, come play with us. You know, you can start as a freshman, stuff like that, blase, blase. Mm-hmm. But if you tell them to school, nobody no, – I'm not – I don't want to go there. Yeah. My people – you know – yeah. My family told me about that school. That's not a good school to go play ball at and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard. But when you got that team and you got that that grit that people want to, I just want to, man, I just want to play out. I just want to ball out. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to help somebody. I want to help this program. I want to help this program turn around. So it was good. And when we had all that connection and doing what we were supposed to do, the whole thing turned around. And from my junior year to my senior year, we turned around we're good. Very well, good. you you mentioned that you started as a freshman playing varsity. Um, you actually did that as well um, you're, when you go into college. But can you talk a little bit about the recruitment process? Um, obviously, you went to A&M. But were there any other schools as well that you got to go on actual visits and uh, explore other universities? Honestly, yeah. I went to, uh, I went to Georgia. I went to Ole Miss, LSU. And then was one of the biggest schools that I went to. I went there more times than I went to any other school. But I went to more school. I went to uh, Missouri. Uh, we went to Florida. We ended up doing a lot of college seven-on-sevens at different colleges. So once, so, like, so some of them schools that we went to, to do the seven-on-sevens at, we went like two days early to go see the camp. Some of those schools was like uh, Vanderbilt, uh, who else? Alabama, and 
it was cleaner school, but yeah. you know, so when we did that, you know, me and a couple of guys who was getting recruited was taking those visits, walking around the campus, seeing this, seeing that, which was some of those other guys too from other schools who was mm-hmm. in the seven on seven. So, but I mean, and then was one of the schools that I constantly was going to. Yeah. Well, was there a university that had maybe the best experience? Because um, obviously you hear a lot of uh, crazy stories about recruitments and what the recruits get to do that first or that weekend there. Was there a uh, university that had the best weekend in your opinion? Not gonna, the, only, the only place I did that at was a and Not even going to lie, just a and I was committed to a and my sophomore year in high school. So uh during that during that stage, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty good weekend. I had my fun. <laughs> so with you committing to AM your sophomore year, obviously it must have been a great weekend for you to go ahead and commit that early. So coming out of New Orleans, obviously you're not that far from Baton Rouge, being a Louisiana native. Was there any pressure on you to explore LSU a little more? You know, not necessarily commit, but and also, I mean, A&M and LSU are kind of rivals, so you're committing to a rival school. Was there any pressure to look at LSU? Honestly, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. Growing up, I was I was always a Tulane fan. Interesting. It's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I was always a Tulane <laughs> fan. But, uh, I mean, playing college football on the PlayStation, I was always a Tulane fan. LSU was one of my options. My grandfather – Really was a L- he's really an LSU fan. So me and him used to talk about it a lot. But during the recruiting process, uh, Coach Front, he's at UTSA now. He told me uh, figure out what position I wanted to play. And you know, like I said, me playing in high school, I was moving around a lot. So mm-hmm. I mean, I was recruited as an athlete. So you telling me to settle down at one position, I didn't really like. I couldn't. I just didn't feel the vibe from it. So. That's what made me, you know, just step back from LSU and just say, you know what, if y'all want to pass and just tell me I need to stay with one position, I'm not going to do that. So that's when I kind of stopped looking at LSU. And when I went to a and like I said, I just wanted to prove a point. You know what I'm saying? It's not – and I, I didn't want to be too close to home, if that makes sense. I didn't want to be close to home. I didn't want to have the opportunity to get up every weekend to shoot an hour back to New Orleans to go live with my family. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to learn how to become my own man and grow on my own. So, and it was a good choice. I mean, it's not that far from home. I got the opportunity to still come home every now and then when I want to, but I mean, it was just, it was just a better option for me. So you go on to A&M and you actually get to play your freshman year, which not many freshmen get to do. Right. Uh, you had two tackles, which I mean, isn't a lot, but again, as a freshman, not many freshmen going to do. Can you kind of explain that first game feeling as a freshman being able to be on the field and actually play? All right. To give you a good example, my first game at Anna, I was on this, uh, I played a lot of special teams. So the first kickoff in the new stadium that we just had built, I was the one to catch the uh, pop-up from Ball State. There you go. The very first play of the game. So, I mean, that was a big experience for me. For some reason, Coach Coach Banks, he was a special team coach at the time. He said, I could have ran it back, but I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to risk it. I didn't want to lose my chances of still playing, you know, as a freshman. Yeah, no, I mean, it totally makes sense. And you go on the, the next couple of years to, to become more of a starter and actually play a lot of on the defense side of the ball. Um, what, what was that like becoming a starter for a big university um, repping A&M like did you feel like an extra like kind of weight was on your shoulders or was it just playing ball to you it's just something that you're used to doing so I mean it's really don't get me wrong the game of especially in the SEC is fast it's real fast but once you you know just take a deep breath take your time and just do what you're supposed to do and do what you love doing it's nothing to it I mean Everybody loves the game of football, especially if you're growing up playing football a lot. You get used to it. So, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't no pressure at all. No pressure. 
In that time, when you were becoming a starter, obviously the SEC is known for being one of the best conferences in the country. I mean, I'm an Arkansas guy, so I would say it is the best, even though we don't really contribute to that much. Um, <laughs> was there like a welcome to the SEC moment for you, Deshaun, where you went up against a receiver who was maybe like not just fast but pretty physical off the line or or maybe you took a hit? From, like, was there a moment where you're like, damn, I'm really playing college football now. Like, I'm in the big time. Yeah, my uh, actual – my first actual start, I went – Priest went down, Priest Willis went down at the time. And we ended up playing Mississippi State. And I actually got scored on twice. That was what that was my first wake up call. But that next week we ended up playing against Ole Miss. And I think I led the team in tackles. So it was pretty good, man. I mean, I mean SEC but, SEC is tough. Uh, you know, we were talking before the show of uh, you know, guys like Jerry Judy, you know, the Alabama receiving core, and it goes on and on for Georgia. You know, you, you're facing these guys week in and week out. Uh, what's the preparation like for you in practice to mentally prepare yourself and physically prepare yourself for playing against guys that, you know, are potential NFL prospects? You know, obviously we see Jerry Judy play last night with the Broncos. Um, what's that like preparing for guys who are just – the best receivers that you've ever seen? It's honestly, it's all about – it's just preparation, man. You you have to come in the week ready to play. You got to take every practice serious. You can't – you cannot be as anything at all. You can't. And with, like you said, with those receiving cores, I mean, it's just – it's going to be a lot of preparation. You know a lot about uh, Alabama. Alabama has a lot of speed receivers quick shifty so me playing a lot of nickel i'm really not i don't want to say i'm i was kind of like a mm-hmm. doing a lot of force you know we played a lot of zone when when we started playing against uh then my senior so we was doing a lot of zone-ish blitzing here and there when we was i think when we had yeah when we had coach Chevy, he was in a lot of man a lot of man coverage so it is. It was a. It was different, especially with playing with Coach Shavis. So, with that, like I said, preparation-wise, it's gonna be tough. You know, you got your practice squad. Sometimes you might not get that yeah. look. You know what I'm saying? When you when you have like guys who walked on and running routes and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, it's it's nothing against that, especially towards those people because they're here to help us, and. It's just you got to think about it sometimes. They might put a slower guy in that position to make him run a route. He's not giving you off that speed that yeah. Jerry Judy has. So it's, it was kind of sh- shaky. So, I mean, but sometimes when you, once you're just playing your game, using your technique to your advantage, you know, doing what you're good at, sometimes that really doesn't matter. So, I mean, sometimes it get tough, sometimes it don't. But it's every now and then. Who would you say Deshaun was the receiver that maybe gave you the best trouble? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I forgot his name. Uh, well, this was my sophomore year. We, no, not my sophomore year, my junior from UCLA. I forgot his name. The slot receiver. Mm-hmm. I think he won number one at the time. And he was pretty quick. He was shifty. Hey, I mean, those those slot receivers are tough um, because, like you said, they're shifty. You know, the, the guys on the outside are usually big, sometimes fast. Um, but, you know, most of the time they're running a handful of routes. The slot guys, the slot guys are running whips, running crosses, picking people, getting picked. So it, it's, it's tough to be a slot corner. Um, I have to give you that. Now, playing in the SEC West, uh, there's a lot of big games that you play in. But was there a non-conference game? I know Clemson, uh, your senior year, I believe, was a big one. But was there maybe one that matched up to that level of intensity um, that was just one of the best game experiences for yourself? I'm going to have to go with that one, Clemson. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with that one. I mean, you guys got, got – you guys should have won that game. There was a bad call at the end, but can you kind of explain what it's like to play at Kyle Field against one of the top teams in the nation? Oh, man. 
Okay, let me walk you through that. So, as you can tell, we played the we played in front of what hundred something. I think it was like one hundred and four thousand plus. So now you know. Then I think they got the ball first. It's already loud. You know, what I'm and it was it was actually a fun game just because it just had rained a little bit. So kind of playing in you know playing different yeah. weather storms. It was it was fun, but the whole time. Going against uh, Renfro, ooh, ooh, he, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't talk trash at all. So it was a good game. We was talking, like we was talking back and forth, but we were just talking about like just honestly, just like talking about life. Mm-hmm. We was playing a game, but we were just talking about like we wasn't trash talking and stuff like that. We was making plays on each other, but you know, every time we lined up, we were like, hey, good stuff, good stuff. You know what I'm saying? But we was just having fun. And we kind of like talked at the end of the game, but that game, I think I had, I think it was either seven or nine tackles. I was either tied with, uh, what's his name? OT, Otaro. I think me and him was tied for the lead in tackles that game. But just that atmosphere was, it was loud. It was very loud. Couldn't hear. You know, we trying to signal, hey, hey, this, that. But, it, man, when I tell you, it was loud and it was fun. I love hearing those stories about, like, guys who don't trash talk. You know, it's it, there's a respect factor there, and you're both great competitors, and you're just going at each other. And, like, there's that level of respect where you're like, hey, that was a good play. Like, I got you next. But that, So that's really cool to hear about Hunter Renfro. So, um, obviously, Deshaun, you played in a lot of big games. I would venture to say that, though, there's no bigger game than when y'all play Arkansas in Arlington, obviously, just kidding. That's not the biggest game y'all play. <laughs> but Drew, Drew especially wanted me to ask. I think he, he wants me to bring it up as an opportunity to rag on Arkansas a little more. Um, I was going to ask you about that game. I guess the one question I want to ask you, Deshaun, is me being objective, y'all are a much better team than we are. But for whatever reason, we always play y'all close. Like, we could go out the next week and get blown out by LSU, get blown out by Alabama. But for whatever reason, it's always like a one-possession game against a that comes down to the very end. Um, right. Is there anything about that game that maybe you think could account for that? Or I don't know. Like I said earlier, man, I just feel like sometimes when you take stuff for granted, it tends to bite you. And so sometimes we we kind of BS during the week and it shows. And once it shows, you know what I'm saying? Okay, now it's close. Now we got to start it. We got to learn how to click. We got to click. And once we do it, you start to see it start to pull away slowly. But sometimes, like you said, it always ends up close. But I would want to say, what, the first time we ended up playing them in the overtime, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, then we ended up playing them in, you know what I'm saying, you started seeing it get shaking. So don't get me wrong, that atmosphere is, especially playing in uh, the Cowboy Stadium, it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's fun. Well, I mean, I feel like playing on a neutral site also kind of puts you guys, you know, half the stadium is technically Arkansas, half the stadium is A&M. So it's almost like playing a bowl game. There's no real advantage. Um, right. I mean, you guys are technically a couple hours closer, but realistically, a lot of people being from the Dallas area, they go half and half either way. Um, but there is a game your senior year, actually your last regular season game, I believe, um, that is a game in history, 74-72 seven overtimes. Uh, how tired were you after that game against LSU? Ah, well, I'll tell you one thing. I didn't want to go out. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was six hours of football. Mm-hmm. Bro, tired ain't the word. I took a shower and uh, got home and just thought about it. Like, do I, do I really want to go out? <laughs> really want, uh, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just lay here and go to sleep. Yeah. But I ain't, I'm not gonna lie. I I felt like I needed that one. Mm-hmm. I just needed that one. Some told me, you know, just leave it all out and just have fun. And I always wanted to play against LSU. And like I told you earlier, mm-hmm. it it wasn't that I had lost my respect for LSU. I just felt like I was overlooked especially by him telling me, you know, stick with one. Yeah. And that just kind of stuck. And, you know, we played them every year. It's a big old rivalry game. And it was 
mean, my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, we always lost. Mm-hmm. So come to find out, I talked to Donovan. You know, Donovan is also from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He's from Shreveport. So we used to talk, and I was like, made him sit by the locker. Every time he played against LSU, hey, we need this one. We got to go out with a bang. And that was the one. That was the one. So we we asked you earlier about receivers. Um, now we kind of want to talk about the quarterbacks. You know, obviously, Joey, Joe Burrow, Tua, uh, Jake Fromm even, you know, Trevor Lawrence. Was there a quarterback that you played? Like, how would you rank the quarterbacks, maybe top, maybe the top five quarterbacks you played against in your career? Who is one to five? Okay. Well, see, I didn't play against uh, Jake. But gotcha, gotcha. Who I did play against was Fitzgerald from Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. He was – don't get me wrong, he was pretty good. He was a lot of, he was always banged up when we played against him, but he would he would always come out on top. Mm-hmm. So I would I would probably put him at my number two right now. Okay. When they did the uh QB switch when we played against Clemson and they put Lawrence in, he he showed up. He stepped up big, but I kind of knew it was gonna get shaky for us just because. We wasn't prepared for him yet at the time. Yeah. We knew he was going to get in, but we just ain't know he was going to get in that early how he did. And so I would probably put him – Matter, of, I would probably put him two and bump Fitzgerald down to three. Tour, uh, obviously I would put him – I'll put him one. He came out strong. They first drive. He just always came out strong with their first drive. But I just felt like we was dead. Don't get me wrong. We played yeah. early. We wasn't just in the game. You can tell, especially on the offense and defensive side, we wasn't just clicking. Donovan had to get out early mm-hmm. due to a what? A roughing nah, – what was it? He had got thrown out the game, right? Yeah, so that kind of hurted us. That hurted us bad. We had to put in – and you know, we had a lot of freshmen to fill in. So – it's it's kind of hard when you got to steady be on defense. Yeah. When you're not making plays on offense, mm-hmm. so it kind of hurt us. So I will I will get him that I will give to a number one. Uh, who else did I play against? Mm. Borrow. That's, I'm a, I'm a, let me bump it down. <laughs> I'm going to bump it down. I'm going to bump them down. So I'll put him one, two, two. Lawrence is three. Fitzgerald is four. And the, uh, what's his name? I forgot this man's name. Can I do people that I play with? Yeah, yeah, like of course, my yeah. Team? Yeah, of course. Well, I give it to Trevor. Trevor Knight. Trevor came in strong for us. Trevor came in strong for us. And when I tell you he played a big role, mm-hmm. a very big role, and Trevor Trevor just very outspoken. Yeah. Very cool guy to hang around with, but also very outspoken. And he's funny. Funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but – I think that'll be my top five. Really, I wouldn't even get them an order, but those those five will be my top five. I love him mentioning Nick Fitzgerald. I, th- I think Nick Fitzgerald is someone who went under the radar outside of the SEC because he didn't put up, like, these huge numbers. But whenever you play against him, he's just like a thorn in your side. I mean, he can run. He can throw. You're like, dude, man, this guy. Oh, trust me, yeah, he can run. Yeah. I mean, he was he tough, too. And he, unfortunately, he took some bad injuries during his time. I think he had an ankle injury, especially, like, near the end of the season one year. But, yeah, Nick Fitzgerald could definitely ball. Um, Deshaun, you played in one of the great environments in college football, Kyle Field. You know, obviously, it's over 100,000-plus. I'm a huge fan of Reveille. Um, yeah, that's one of the biggest stadiums. Damn right, it is. It is. And, you know, unfortunately, like Arkansas, we play y'all in, in Cowboy Stadium, so we don't really get to see it that hand. We played, we played y'all there a few times. Like recently, 
uh, before we moved it permanently to Cowboy Field. But were there, um, as far as the away environments go, you played in some really great away environments as well. Can you, what, what were some of the toughest in your opinion, some of the loudest or the most memorable? Ooh, um, LSU, for sure, my, especially my freshman year. After they do their little uh, come out during the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. it's nothing but smoke. Just smoked out. <laughs> so yeah. you probably, you're probably playing the first half with the stadium still smoked out from the entrance of the, of the beginning of the game. So that's one. I will go with the uh, when we played against Florida my junior year. That was another one. That was tough. That was also a great game. How we came out and came out on top of that one. Uh, what was another one? When we, played, when we went to UCLA, very hot. Mm-hmm. Very hot. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. It was just the feeling of playing in the Rose Bowl. So it wasn't the crowd wasn't that it wasn't that loud. As you can tell, we took the heart in the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. We just ended up playing conservative, not scoring like we should have been on offense and we kept the defense out on the field, so we was tired. And then it's already hot. We're not used to the environment. I kid you not, we went out there early, right? We went out there maybe three weeks. I mean, not three weeks. Uh, three days before the game actually came. Mm-hmm. So we was practicing out there and stuff like that. We had to bring multiple pair of cleats. They had to order us some more cleats. They had to get some more cleats to be sent down to us. We, When I tell you it was hot, mm-hmm. heat waves was about this high. <laughs> off the ground it was very high. The field is high. We practicing on turf. We on one of the mountains on yeah. a uh, practice field. Bottom of people cleats is burning off, so it was very hot. And when I tell you, we just we knew we wasn't just used to, like we wasn't used to it at all. Yeah, like we wasn't. So for us to come out early like that. It really showed us what we really can do, but when we started playing conservative, that's when we knew like we're not the team that we should be. Yeah. And it's sad to say that because first half is our it's always our half. And I feel like if you take the first half my sophomore and junior year and mm-hmm. put it with my senior, it a and I mean, and put my senior year with the second half team, like yeah. defense wise, we'll be very unstoppable. Yeah. My senior, our second half, we was always shutting people out. Mm-hmm. And we had maybe what? I would want to see three to four shutout games off the second half, especially yeah. against big t- teams like Clemson, Alabama, Ole Miss, uh, Auburn. And these were games that I didn't actually play because I had a thigh injury. At yeah. a thigh contusion, so these was big games that we was having shutouts in, and I mean with them with that environment, it was it was hot, so we wasn't used to it. Yeah, I mean Deshaun, where we played, we have a bunch of Texas guys on our roster. When you play in an environment like that, you just, it sticks with you in the rest of your mind because we've all you know if you play football long enough in the South, you play in hot games. We actually right. play in a game very similar that you're talking about, where the cleats. To, to people who didn't play the game, it would sound crazy, but we did. We played one of those games where the cleats were melting off, too. Like, we saw it happen. I mean, it's the, that heat, man, it's just insane when it hits you. Um, so, one thing I wanted to ask you about, you were talking about your defense kind of going conservative. Now, you were at AM during the transition from Kevin Sumlin to Jimbo Fisher, right? Right. Can you – so, very thankfully, I have never had to undergo a coaching change. Can you kind of talk about what that's like? Because – you're talking, you're at a big program and a bunch of great players. And now the head coach who recruited you, you know, who brought you in the university, he's gone. And you got to bring in this, this totally new guy, this stranger. And like, he has to win all y'all over. What, what is that like? Honestly, man, it was, it was tough. We had a lot of people thinking about leaving. We had, uh, I mean, we had a lot of people leave early mm-hmm. due to situations. Especially uh, one big role was uh, Christian Kirk. He ended yeah. up leaving early, very early. So, I mean, it was tough. You know, he had – his heart was just with Sumlin. 
You know, when Sumlin had lost his spot, you know, Christian kind of took it hard. He was one of those guys that took it real hard. He cried during the meeting because we didn't actually get to talk to him. And and that's that's another that's another thing that's sad, man. That you have to really sit through that. And once you're gone, you're gone. You can't speak out. You can't say nothing. You can't say no last goodbye. They just get you out of there. And I mean, as you can, as you know, man, it's really it's a business. You know what I'm saying? And so it's tough to go through that process. But I mean, it's life. Sometimes you just gotta deal with it, which is sad. Cause I had my moments. Don't get me wrong. I had my moments when I wanted to leave. I just felt like I wasn't having an opportunity that I should have been. You know, I had my doubts with some of those coaches, especially uh, Sumlin and I mean, not Sumlin. Shavis and uh, Coach Coop, who ended up going to Arkansas. And so I felt like if I would have left my senior year, I wouldn't have had my opportunity to prove them, you know, my work. And so when we played against them my senior year, and I felt like I just left it out all out on the, you know, on the field for them in front of those two. And I actually talked to them after the game. But, you know, like I said, going through that process, man, it's just hard. And I had my, like I said, I wanted, I wanted to leave, man, at the point, but I just couldn't do it to myself because I just felt like if I'd have did that, I would have gave up. But I mean, when you, when you have a nice, strong support system, you have good friends, you have some people that you know gonna have your back, talk you out of it. And I'm not gonna say talk you out of, they just, they just, you know, just there for you, like man, look, hey, do what's right for you. You know what I'm saying? Everything ain't always promised for people, and when. And when you got that, you especially got good friends behind you. Sometimes you just like, man, you know, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a work, and I'm a work my tail off. And when I do that, it's just gonna go from there. And yeah, that's why some of those guys to this day I still conversate with. And it's and it's good to have those type of friends. So, I mean, it's just it's crazy. Yeah. Well, no, you speak about friends. Um, were there any guys that you've either kept in touch with or really latched onto as some of your best friends? Because we all know about locker room. Some of your best friends come from, you know, the football team because you guys bond over things that obviously you can't do in a regular life um, or regular day. So are there any guys that you're just like, this is my ride or die dude that you kind of gain, that you gain from your days at A&M? Yeah, uh, for sure. Kima, Ronnie, Nick, who else? Uh, Larry. Mm-hmm. We had Trayvon, and I mean those were the guys: Tyrell Dotson, and OT also. But for sure, those first three I named: Nick, Ronnie, and Kima. To this day, man, we still talk, and it's all fun. Like you said, it's always about the locker room. But outside of the locker room and outside of football. It was more to, like, you know when you have a good friend. And when you can call somebody, almost feel like they're your brother, you know, like, it's deeper than just the football. And those three guys, man, are really, like, true brothers to me. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the truth. I mean, Drew and I, we only – went to school for a year together. We only played one season together, but we've held on this entire time. And I feel like he's, mm-hmm. I, I'm as close to him as anyone that I met in college, but that locker room is really, really where you meet your best friends. And, and true, it, that was true. stressed to us when we come in as freshmen, like our head coach did a really good job of talking about like the relationships part of it. Like these are the men that will be by your side on your wedding day. That will, that will be the ones carrying your casket, you know, and, and all this stuff. Like they're the ones that will be there for your greatest times. And, and I was sitting there thinking as a freshman that, you know, I've got all these high school friends too. That so I don't think my college friends like they'll they'll equal that, but they'll never surpass that. That's not the truth. Like my college teammates, dude. I mean, those are the guys that you know that just that hit different. So I'm definitely with you on that one, Deshaun. Uh, one more question I want to ask about A&M is this, and I hope it doesn't seem like it's a mean question, but it, it's <laughs> something I, I really do, and I really do mean this. A&M is the best example of how tough the SEC is, week in week out in terms of like the best teams because A&M is as talented as anyone in the country. We all know this, but for whatever reason, it's like, you, you know, you, you go eight and four, you go nine and three, you may have a 10 and two season, but you, you can't ever get past the hump like Alabama can. And you're a panda, Sean. And this really goes back to what you were talking about in high school. Cause you're a guy who gets it about what it takes to build a winning program. 
in your eyes, what, what is that final hurdle that A&M has to do to be a consistent 10-2, and 11-1 team as opposed to 8-4, and 9-3? Because y'all are right there. It also helps that your non-conference schedule isn't as tough because y'all used to play Clemson. But what is that last step that you think A&M has to take? It all starts with Kellen. Don't get me wrong. Kellen is a good player. Kellen will always be a good player. He has the aspect to be great, but it's going to start with him. When you have guys who uh, I feel like who put partying in front of football, yeah, you see where they hard at. And he was, I don't like now to this day, I don't really know him. I don't know if he matured enough from that, but it's going to start with him just overall. Like he's going to be the one that they really need to count on. He got to step up. And what I mean by that, we had we had games where we would get whipped, mm-hmm. like bad. And we land a plane coming from a away game. Next thing you know, you're getting videos of them out at Nargate. And it's sad, right? You know what I'm saying? And don't get me wrong. I, like, my freshman year, I had my fun. But you got to learn how to overcome that and see, like, is this really what I want to do? Do I just want to be out here partying? Or do I just want to, you know? So I got my first year out. But when you're constantly doing it day in and day out, something got to – you got to learn how to start balancing. You got to learn how to start just putting one to the side. That's going to always be there. You got to realize that. And I feel like once he gets that through his head, he's going to be he, – he can. He can change his whole draft stock around this year and do something. Yeah. But well, I mean, he, he also – he also plays an entire SEC conference uh, schedule, so that, that'll help. Um, but that kind of mindset starts talking about professional. Uh, you start talking about, like, whenever you get professional playing, you know, either in the CFL, NFL. And for yourself, actually, uh, knowing you personally, I actually know you're about to start playing in the AFL for I don't know the Dallas team off the top of my head. I should have known that. Um, but you are going to be playing for the, the Dallas uh, Arena team. Uh, can you kind of talk about that preparation? Unfortunately, COVID halted all of that. But can you talk about that preparation and that transition from college ball to professional? Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I did uh, – I went to a couple of NFL camps. Mm-hmm. Turned out it was pretty good. Went through a couple of uh, rookie camps and stuff like that. But when I had got that phone call to do the AFL, and – it was it was it was unexpected because I was like okay, then honestly didn't think they still had a arena league because at the time we had uh, the New Orleans Voodoo, right? And uh, you know we they ended up stopping that team, so I didn't really know they still had the AFL, but actually it's called the Indoor Football League. So they ended up switching it. So okay, so. You know, and when I got the phone call from my agent, me and my agent talked about it, and I was like, hey, why not? You know what I'm saying? So going through that process and trying to understand the game, because it's not 11. It's not 11 players, and it's about yeah. this big, and it's <laughs> very tight. And just going through the practices, uh, doing some of those, well, I ain't going to say drills. It's the same thing, but it's tighter, and it's mm-hmm. very quick. So especially – by me playing a lot of nickel, it kind of helped me slow it down. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. They have a running start. <laughs> they have a, they have a running start. And as you can tell, like I said, I played against a lot of shifty guys in college. So it kind of helped me pertain what I took from college to that. And it kind of helped me slow it down. So like you said, I ended up making a team. And we was going in, I think, matter of fact, we was out there by you. Yeah. And we yeah. just came from by you, and uh, y'all was going to come to the game. And I ended up finding out that it was canceled. Mm-hmm. And actually, they didn't, the league didn't even cancel the uh, game. It was uh, the city of Frisco who canceled yeah. it. Because yeah. I think we was getting ready to go to the field, but I ended up not, I wasn't going to play the first game. I had, uh, I had, Sprained my PCL, so I was gonna miss the first game, but I was gonna beat up with you guys and just watching. Yeah. And I wanted, to, and I just wanted to see the atmosphere because I honestly, especially by Frisco having that team for the first time, mm-hmm. I just wanted to see how the outcome was. And they say they sold out pretty well, mm-hmm. 
So yeah. I felt like it was going to be a good game. Um, but going through that process and seeing that how serious the corona had got at the time, mm-hmm. you know, it was really starting to see, okay, well, can we go from here and stuff like that. And so, you know, they, they had us out there. They still had us in the apartment complex that they had us at. And, you know, people, so I ended up going to Houston with, with my girlfriend. And we were just going from there trying to see what was going on and stuff like that. But once they canceled the season, you know, it was kind of devastating, especially because, okay, we was yeah. this close. How come? And I'm not, okay, let me slow it down. When you have the opportunity to do something that you love mm-hmm. and it just get ripped away from you that fast after you was just ready to buckle up and put, and, you know, play in front of a couple of people and under the lights and, okay, this this virus come around and it's like, okay, what we do now? And they hit that, okay, this is really getting serious. We're going to need to buckle down, start getting this and getting that. You need to do this, you need to do that. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, oh, so now you got the, now you get the worrying. Are they going to cancel the season? Yeah. Is it going to be another season? Mm-hmm. And then seeing that the XFL had filed for bankruptcy, it's just like, now, nah, okay, so what What else can we do? Yeah. And from that league, you can honestly jump around. Mm-hmm. You can go from the CFL, the NFL, XFL, and they call you up like clockwork. Yeah. So, I mean, just seeing how that, that little small – part of your life get taken taken away and now you're like okay what's my other way to get back to where I want to be and stuff like that so other than that I mean I haven't been grieving over it it's been good like I said I'm still talking I'm, I'm in contact with those coaches mm-hmm. we they're re-signing players at the moment they're uh, actually on the offensive side right now my agent talked to me about them uh, access for my information again and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. trying to see how that goes. But other than that, overall, I've just been down here in New Orleans coaching. I'm coaching at a high school right now. Well, there you go. I mean, hey, the best thing to do about this Corona time is just to stay in the game and help out the youngsters and and teach them how you learn the game yourself. But uh, actually, we're gonna step away from the football field now, um, as we like to do when we do our interviews. Um, mm-hmm. We like to usually kind of just talk about we me and sandy and i we like food we like to talk about food uh a lot uh we're both not we're not fat yet but we'll get there someday um obviously you're from new orleans as we've mentioned i've been there myself um but what is the best spot in new orleans to go to to eat food and what do what would you order at that restaurant see i'm a chicken guy i love chicken and i feel like the best place you can go to like so, okay. Let me, let me put it like this: If you're trying to sit down and eat, you can probably go to Bobby Abrams. They're pretty good. Uh, we have Neos. Neos is pretty good. It's like an oyster house. Do y'all y'all eat oysters? Uh, I've ate them a couple times. Not a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you eat? So you eat them raw? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, see, no, I don't do raw. It's a <laughs> char girl, so that's pretty good. So. I mean, they have Neos. They have a. Uh, I'm pretty sure y'all big hibachi fans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. They have a spot called Miyako's. That's pretty good. Uh, now, if you're talking about just grabbing food to go, they have a they have this uh place called Philly's Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. They're pretty good. They have good sandwiches. They have a place called Pole Boy Depot. Okay. They do a lot of French uh French bread sandwiches, stuff like that. You can put your sandwich on a bun. So what else do they have? They have that. They have uh, Manchu, Manchu's Chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Manchu's Chicken, Chinese Kitchen. Souls is a good seafood place. Cajuns yeah. is a good seafood place. So, I mean, they have a lot of good places you can eat. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I so I was there. I went there actually in December to see the Colts and Saints play on Monday night. Um, right. And we, me and me and my girlfriend, we hung around the just the Bourbon Street area. Obviously, a lot of places. Are you a hurricane or hand grenade type of guy? 
the hand grenade. Yeah. Hey, those things are deadly. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, you, it's very, it, and I'm not going to, it's, it's tastes, it tastes so sweet, mm-hmm. but it's strong. Yeah. And yeah. just one, mm-hmm. just one would do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, 100%. Uh, Jackie and I, we both had, we had two. Um, and we, we had originally just gotten one. We were thinking we were going to share it. And within five minutes, we were already down. We already had already downed it. And so we like, we got to get another one, but we got to be careful because we weren't going to, we weren't trying to get crazy. But uh, can you ta- explain Bourbon Street to just the average person, someone who hasn't been like, what's that? What's that like being someone that lives there um, and kind of knows the spots to go to? Well, from, honestly, I mean, it's, it's the same, like, especially like y'all not from, you know, from not being here. So, I mean, I'm used to it. I've walked off bourbon before when I was younger. I mean, you're not really supposed to be out that young, but Bourbon Street, it's it's just a, it's like a, okay, I would want to say the Vegas slang, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas type there. Yes, but yes. You, it's 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 small places you can go. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of bars. It's a lot of different areas. Uh, food, the food is really not that good on Bourbon Street. You have to go on Royal Street. Mm-hmm. That's where the best places to go eat. Bourbon Street, not too really. I'm just more for drinking, <laughs> <laughs> drinking and partying. Yeah, no, that's what and, I saw. You know, and club hopping, but if you really want to sit down and eat and enjoy the scenery and like to just sit down and look out to the street and see like the nice buildings and stuff, you mm-hmm. will want to go down uh, Royal Street. But Burton Street, not the place to <laughs> Don't get me wrong, they do have this one spot on Bourbon Street. It's, uh, it's further down. Like, so if you're coming from Canal Street and you walk in all the way down Bourbon, and I forgot the side street to come on, I think it's Bourbon and St. Anne. So it's a uh, it's like a seafood spot. Yeah, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I actually went over there and ate one time, just like grabbed my food and went on. But it's a pretty good seafood spot. Yeah, Drew. I mean, he, he's dead on about eating and stuff. Like, I remember I spent Thanksgiving the week of Thanksgiving, like in New Orleans. <laughs> I, I had dated into a Cajun family, so like they knew all the layouts and stuff and where to go. So I was very fortunate for that. I didn't get suckered into like the tourist traps and stuff. Um, but my first experience with Sean at Bourbon Street is I went to a kicking camp at LSU when I was about 12 or 13 or so. Um, when we were on Bourbon Street, there was like an eight-year-old kid out there. He's wearing a Julio Jones jersey or something, I think. Like he's from Alabama, but this kid, like, no parents are around or anything. Dude's just going crazy. Like this eight-year-old kid is like hanging beads on the women's boobs and stuff, and all these different things. Like, I mean, this man is—he owns Bourbon Street, and he's only like eight years old. And I'm just like, I'm 13. This kid's eight, but he's got all the confidence in the world. Like, you think Joe Burrow's got confidence? Hell no. This guy, he runs the world. So that was. But once. And like you said, it's it's just all about just having that confidence and really just being from that area. So you know, and then it's a lot of tourists that comes down. So he knew what he was kind of doing, especially at that age. You know, he's he's very smart at his age to be doing that. <laughs> I don't know how, but he did it. And you're gonna, like I said, you're gonna catch a lot of tourists. Mm-hmm. So by him just being out there giving beads and probably what he was saying was just catching their attention. And so, I mean, you're gonna get a lot of, you're gonna see a lot of wild stuff. A lot of wild stuff. So you mentioned Northgate earlier, back right. in uh, College Station. Drew knows all about it. I have no idea what it's about. So what's special about Northgate, Deshaun? <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> well, you see a lot of stuff on there. You see a lot of partying. You might hear a lot of arguing, a lot of drunk fighting. <laughs> you might see a lot of crazy things, but don't get me wrong. It's it's a fun place to go to. Sometimes it's, it's just like, well, I'm I'm just used to, like I said, my freshman year, I went out a lot. Mm-hmm. And then like my, my sophomore year, I started slowing down. I started really just paying attention to my surroundings and really not, 
going that route no more. But uh, I just felt like it was the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Seeing the same people, listening to the same music. But after those big games, some big games, you, you see it. Like, you see the difference and you see, okay, this is – it was better than last week. <laughs> last week and didn't have that many people. But now, like – but I feel like, especially with a group of friends, it's the best place to just go hang out in your own little group. Mm-hmm. But still surround yourself around other people and have fun drinking and stuff like that, wall hopping. Mm-hmm. I know um, – Drew uh, sake a lot. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, can you can you tell us what a, I guess a normal night for you like as in the bar hopping? What was the hot scenes for being a being an A and M football player? Uh, what was the spots you went to, and how did you end your night? Uh, well, for me, we went to a lot of frat parties. Okay like a lot of frat parties who was hosting like pool parties and stuff like that. So we'll start off the day like that. And then, you know, during the day, I mean, that's during the day, that's early too. That's mm-hmm. probably like what, from 12 to maybe five, or probably whenever the sun goes down. Yeah. So just thinking about you starting there, getting drunk, then go, trying to go home and, okay, I'm going to cool it off for a little bit. I'm going to get myself together. So I can go out to Nargate, stuff like that. But sometimes you don't make it out from there. <laughs> you don't make it out. But I mean, that's probably one. That's a that's a good way to start. You know, start off earlier during the day. Get yourself put something in your stomach. You know, yeah. make sure okay. Because I know if I'm going out and drink again, I don't want to be the one who out there puking and throwing up everyone. <laughs> so, I mean, do that. Then go to Nargate. And if something else going on, some people may throw house parties and stuff like that. So you might be getting inside around four or five. <laughs> four or five o'clock. But I end my nights off with a, with a long kiss from Erica. <laughs> and uh and uh we we used to stop at uh Waterberg a lot. Okay. Sometimes if we wasn't feeling the vibe we get each other that look. There we go. <laughs> you know, we leave. And then we go out. We have some uh, some breakfast tacos. Okay. I love breakfast tacos from Waterberg. And we yeah. go home watch a movie, man. Well, my the answer I was looking for, Deshaun, was Antonio's Pizza. Um, if you know Jackie Fam, that's the hey, that's the place she always ends with. Um <laughs> And then the other place I was looking, I was, I was waiting for was 115. That's the club I've heard that a lot of athletes go to and hang out. Um, and it's, yeah, see, when they, especially when they started, when they just opened it. Mm-hmm. Yes. They just opened it. And it, it was, it's that one. It's that one. Uh, the hookah spot. And uh, what's the one that's around the corner? Oh, I, like, I don't know the name. God, it was because. They just they just opened those two clubs. They just mm-hmm. opened one fifteen, because if you notice, they just had opened that sake bar up too. Mm-hmm. So that's that's all kind of new. And they they opened that one, one fifteen, and it's another club that's right around the corner that they had just opened. But before that, I mean, the go to spot honestly was either hookahs or social. Yeah, Foundies was all right, but. If you really wanted a party, you'll either go to the hookah spot, uh, uh, social. But not since they opened those two. I mean, you also have what I think it's twelve. Yeah, yeah. that's down. The, the twelve at twelve. I heard that. You know, Jackie talks about that all the time. Yeah, uh, right. So that was a good one too. I mean, it's all right music, but mm-hmm. for the tw- the twelve at twelve, you take those yeah. shots. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> What what's what's the other club? Chimmy's oh, Chimmy's is, is another big one I've heard. You know, their yeah. their their uh, margaritas or some limeritas or something like that are really yeah, big. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but after uh, after a game, uh, what's one restaurant or place that you go to that's like just always hits, or maybe not even after a game, maybe like on a Tuesday night or something, you want to go get the best the best food? What's that one place for you? Mm. In, in college station by the way if you didn't if you didn't know that uh is he the bj's 
Razuz, uh, Otami, that's the hibachi spot. And so BJ's, Razuz, Otami, uh, another one. and Yummy Yummy. Yummy Yummy is very cheap for sushi. Mm-hmm. Very cheap. Yeah. And you I, get I, a lot of food. Yeah, I've had it a couple of times. It's, it's pretty good. Um, but that's all the time we have today. But before we finish, we like to end with two pretty controversial questions. I'm not going to lie, but they're funny ones. Um, the first one we start off with is, um, is a coach's daughter off limits to date? Now, it doesn't have to be the head coach. Um, doesn't have to be – it can be any coach. And she's of age, obviously. She's not young. She's your age. Um, because we had sometimes people answer the question, they're like, well, my coach's daughter is six years old, so definitely no. It's a hypothetical question. Is the coach's daughter off limits hypothetically? Uh, I'm pretty sure she should be. <laughs> pretty sure she should be, but um, uh, Coach Sumner had two girls. It was pretty, there was pretty, two pretty girls, two very beautiful girls. But we never really seen them around. Like, we seen them sometimes at the game. We don't see them in the locker room. We don't – I'm not – well, you're not going to see them in the locker room. But you don't see them around the school. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean, the only time – honestly, the only time we seen them is when we went over to Coach Sumlin's house. Our fr- he had all the freshmen over to his house. Stuff like that. So, that's the only time we seen them. Now, um, we're going to flip it on you here. Our teammates' sisters – off limits today. Again, a hypothetical question. No one in particular. Well, I don't have any sisters. <laughs> so I mean I I really can't speak for other people, just to be real, to be honest with you. But I mean it's I respect like if, if I know I'm that cool with you, I'm I'm gonna respect that that limit you know what i'm saying but like i said other people you never know because sometimes you honestly wouldn't even know mm-hmm. to be honest with you like sometimes okay i might have a sister people don't know i might have a sister you know some people don't ask no people some people don't don't get that deep about your life don't work and they you know they might be talking to your sister they'll never know and if you find, like, once y'all find out each other, like, oh, stuff like that. Some people might, you, you were like, well, I know you. I know you wouldn't do that, so I wouldn't mind. You know what I'm saying? Some people will talk to your sister, don't know, find out, and then be like, okay, just stop talking and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Just the respect for your, you know, I know your brother and I'm very cool and stuff like that. Yeah. And I wouldn't, you know, so, I mean, it can go either way. You'll never know. Let me put it a different way, Deshaun. Let's say you're, you know, you're playing the slot, and it it's not likely a pulling guard's going to come around on you. But if you just happen to be dating the left guard's younger sister, you know, when he's pulling around, he might like miss his guy and come right for you. Like he might be trying to blow you up, like just to send the message. So <laughs> you got to be careful sometimes as to who it is. You know? True, true, true. But it would never get that. It would never get that far. But. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you heard of this thing called uh, ACLU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for those big guys who was trying to take on us. Yeah. If they trying to pull around that corner and you take out that ACL joint, mm-hmm. he might not want that. Yeah, no, that, that's 100% <laughs> true. You're right. Uh, they, they don't they don't want that. Uh, Deshaun, that's all the time we have for today, man. Thank you for coming on. We had a blast talking to you. Um, Sandy might be a little bit hurt because we have his Arkansas team again. Other than that, man, thank you for coming on. Glad y'all had me, man. And that does it for our interview today with Deshaun Caper-Smith. Uh, it was a fun time talking SEC football. It's always a good time, especially for Sandy, um, because it just is. You know, it's SEC football. It's the big time. But if you guys want to listen to more college interviews like you did today, you guys can go to anchor.fm or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you guys find your podcast to listen to it we also post stuff daily on twitter and tiktok and you guys can find us at splitting up look at my neck that's an ice tray come on tell me what you saying
And your girlfriend like my drip drip Happy birthday to that bitch bitch You're the one that suck my dick dick Triple S got that Instagram clip Oh yeah Frank Mueller making brown on my wrist Frank Mueller making brown on my wrist New Roller making brown on my wrist AP making brown on my wrist New Richard on my wrist Got a million that's selling my bank New paddock on my wrist White dominant and them shits hit pink Got go ahead and go get a mink New finger rings hit like a set You a bad bitch then we can link Hit the shower and you might stay Bitch bag and they all might great And she said that the oozy so great Shoes in our vans. Need a fan case a nigga get hot. Remember she ain't want me back. I was popped on the block back.